Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back to The View from My Soapbox. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Today I want to talk about a line from one of my absolute favorite poems. It's called Desiderata by Max Ehrman. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend you do. It's short, it's really easy to read, and it offers some actually incredibly good advice for how simple it is. But the line I'm focusing on today is this one. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. I'm going to say that again. Always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. <laughs> Damn. Most people know you shouldn't compare yourself to other people, but it can be really difficult to understand why comparison kills, as they say, and even more difficult still to learn how to stop. So I want to unpack this concept a little bit. I think everybody's experienced this to some extent, particularly those of us socialized as women who are therefore constantly pitted against each other in so many different ways. Maybe you've caught yourself while scrolling through social media, or talking to friends, watching movies or TV, or even when you're just meeting someone for the first time, and you make that, you know, snap judgment of them. And you'll catch yourself kind of trying to figure out all the ways that these people that you're experiencing, quote-unquote, measure up to what you know about yourself. And usually the aspects you're comparing tend to be the ones you're insecure about yourself. For example, if you struggle with body dysmorphia, Often, one of the first things you'll notice when you meet someone else is their weight and their shape. Or, if you're insecure about your level of education, you'll pay particular attention when people sound really smart or use big words. Or, if you really wish you had a significant other, it feels like everywhere you look, there's another carefree couple that just looks so damn happy. You may experience thoughts like, they make it look so easy. Or, I wish I had that thing, person, relationship, outfit, insert anything. Or, just at the bottom of it, I wish I was that happy. The first really toxic thing about comparison is that you're using information that is inaccurate on both sides. You're comparing what you think you know about somebody else, based on appearances, with what you think is true about yourself, based on your own self-concept, which is biased towards negativity, which we'll talk about later. Not only is this comparison unfair, but it's also untrue. You don't really know what someone else's life is like, or what they might be having a hard time with. And conversely, your brain has a tendency to fixate on the things going wrong in your life, so you're often completely overlooking all the positive traits and circumstances in you and in your own life that someone else looking in might see as highly desirable. This is important to realize, but let's be real, it's not exactly a hot take. Most of us know this, on some rational level at least, but it still hasn't been enough to actually stop us from continuing our illogical and self-defeating behavior. So I want you to ask yourself something else on the subject. When you're comparing yourself to other people, what are you trying to accomplish? I think one of the most terribly insidious things about the comparison game is that there's no good outcome. On one hand, if you're comparing yourself and you're losing, you feel like shit. You start thinking that everyone else is holding you up for comparison too, and that everyone hates you just as much as you hate yourself. This is neither true nor helpful, like I said, and yet you're still choosing to spend your energy on an untruthful, unhelpful thought. Energy which could be better spent doing anything from cutting your toenails to changing the world. Even if you're still working on digesting that, I know you know it's true. So let's move on to the other side. The other side is, and this may be the part you don't realize, what happens if you're comparing yourself and you're winning? People often say that nobody wins in comparison because the grass is always greener and blah 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 and the most successful people are the saddest and so on. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I think some people genuinely do have their shit together or at least get it together a couple days per month. Maybe you just got promoted. Maybe you're a beautiful person and you just took a gorgeous selfie. 
Maybe you're more than two standard deviations above the class average on a test. In those situations, it can be so easy to feel a rush of, of superiority, of power, of pride. You could definitely argue that comparison isn't as bad if you're using it to remind yourself of all the good in your life. But I would disagree. Even when comparison lifts you up relative to others, and maybe even especially then, it's crucial to ask yourself whether that's really serving you or anyone in the long run. I'm not saying you shouldn't celebrate the situations. They're wins. You've probably worked really hard for that promotion or that grade, or maybe you had to go through a really painful recovery to learn to love the way you look. That's amazing, and no one, least of all me, should take that away from you. What I'm saying is that there's a difference between enjoying an achievement for its own sake and enjoying it because of how it sets you apart from other people. It comes down to intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. If you're motivated to do something for its own sake, so intrinsic motivation, achieving it will be incredibly gratifying in and of itself. But if, on the other hand, you're motivated to do something because of how it will appear to others, so for that extrinsic motivation, your success happens at the expense of others. You may feel all those feelings we talked about before, superiority, power, pride, that lifts you up, but do you even want to quote-unquote win if your win depends on and is defined by someone else's loss? Take a look at who you're beating. Those are other people, other women. Those are your friends. Maybe someday that's your daughter. Wouldn't it be better to find some sort of intrinsic motivation that gets you going every day, something that allows you to cheer on the successes of others as well as your own? Wouldn't it be better to move from a place of comparison, both the kind that puts you down and the kind that lifts you up relative to others, to a place of compassion, compassion towards yourself, compassion towards everyone around you with the same goals, compassion based on the fact that we're all humans, you know, we all face challenges, and none of us are more or less intrinsically valuable or worthy of love, celebration, and tenderness than anybody else. Maybe I've lost you, maybe this sounds too soft, but I know you compare yourself all the time to that friend who looks like such a good mother, to that coworker who looks so well off, that celebrity who's just so fucking perfect, or inversely to that old acquaintance that li that's living with their parents, that friend from high school who never comes out very much, or the people in their winter coats lined up outside the soup kitchen. And the next time you do, the next time you take a seat at that table of comparison, I want you to ask yourself whether anyone stands to gain from it. You'll probably realize that nobody does, especially not yourself. The more you compare in both directions, the more your lizard brain warps life into some sort of zero-sum game, where there's only so much success to go around, and you've got to keep fighting every day just to protect your slice. This is not real life, guys, and it pains me so much to say this because I know how many of us live in this distorted, parallel dimension fueled by our own fear and insecurity. Fucking break out of it and, and see the world for what it is. Almost 8 billion of us waking up every single day and just doing our fucking best. Pardon my French. <laughs> Instead, when you're looking up, think, I can have that too. And when you're looking down, think, I have felt that too compassion, not comparison. I want to add something else about comparison. It's totally normal and very human. In fact, psychologists think that the process of comparing yourself to your peers, a tendency which begins in school age, is a crucial step in the development of self-concept. Self-concept is the understanding and evaluation of who you are. That and self-recognition 
are actually one of the things that distinguish us from other animals. Psychologist Eric Erickson theorized that in adolescence, when we start internalizing messages we're told about ourselves, we reevaluate our self-concept, at which point we're faced with the task of forming an identity at the risk of descending into confusion about who we are. Developing a positive self-concept, something which most of us do through trying on different identities to see which fits, for example, leads to increased confidence, better success in school, increased independence, and increased willingness to try new things. So a positive self-concept, then, can offer us a huge advantage in life. It can really help us blossom as adults. Unfortunately, though, not everyone gets the same shot at developing a positive or healthy self-concept. These messages we hear and internalize in adolescence, for example, those coming from societal or cultural norms, authority figures like parents or teachers, or peers who are often parroting messages they themselves have internalized from other people, all these messages vary based on our gender, our race, and our natural abilities, among other things. So although it's technically up to us to develop a positive self-concept, by which nobody else will do it for us, that's what I mean, our ability to do so is heavily influenced by the norms imposed on us by external sources based on our identity and our impediments. If those messages and norms are negative, so too may our self-concept become. We then risk getting stuck in loops of insecurity and constant comparison, which for some of us can be a lifelong affair. The harms of this are only compounded when someone is part of multiple disadvantaged groups. A young girl of color in a predominantly white community, for example, has to overcome racist as well as sexist messages, norms, and dictates in order to develop a positive self-concept. She may be told that she should be quiet, be more obedient, that she should try to make herself small, that she shouldn't pursue upper year science or math courses. She may be disciplined according to different standards than her white peers. She may have her difficulties in school overemphasized and her successes undermined, and so on. All of this can become easily a self-fulfilling prophecy. These messages all translate into barriers that somebody must overcome, not only if they're striving to achieve something different than what's expected of them, but even just if they are to develop a healthy, positive, compassionate view of themselves and their worth. I'm a huge advocate for taking responsibility, and one of my goals with this podcast is to empower you to realize all the ways you're in control of your limitations, but I want to emphasize the fact that that's not all there is to it. I also want to emphasize the fact that it's normal to have this kind of work to do on yourself, because our unhealthy patterns come from somewhere. This is so important. A lot of it is evolution. For example, negativity bias, which explains why our losses or failures loom larger in our minds than our successes, served us very well when humans lived in a time where pretty much anything was a risk to their life and our brains needed to constantly remind us of all the dangerous and bad things that could kill us. A lot of it also is society. So I don't want you to think I'm saying you're bad and no good because you have all these shitty tendencies like comparing yourself to others. I don't want you to think that about yourself ever. It is so, so important to realize that we've been born into a society that places different stigmas and limitations on, on women, on people of color, queer, trans, gender non-conforming folk, cultural or religious minority groups, low-income groups, people living with disabilities, with mental illnesses, trauma and abuse survivors, the list just goes on. And these limitations can either be overt or tacit. Oppression can take on so many forms. All of these factors play into your self-concept as well as your mental health in so many insidious ways. So I'm not saying it's all your fault, or maybe even your fault at all. 
I do think, though, that if you don't work to disentangle all your internalized oppression, nobody will. Just like if we don't advocate for the political and social change we need to really live in an equitable world, nobody will. That's what I mean when I say take responsibility. I mean take responsibility for the work you have to do, because nobody else is going to do it for you. So just to wrap everything up, I want to run through some key takeaways that you can keep in mind as you move through the rest of your week. My thesis has been, in case you couldn't tell, comparison kills. Don't do it. (laughs) We talked first about how comparisons are usually based on lies we tell ourselves revolving around our pre-existing insecurities. We also talked about how you can't win at this game because when you compare, you're inevitably putting someone down. That's either yourself or somebody else, and neither of these outcomes are desirable or good or necessary. I encourage you instead to think from a place of compassion instead of comparison. So that means realizing that we're all doing our best, yourself included, and we all deserve patience and celebration. And also to realize that we should strive for things for their intrinsic worth rather than for how we think they'll put us above others. And finally, I emphasize with the help of some science the point that it's not your fault if you struggle with unhealthy thought patterns such as comparison. You've been socialized to compare. You've inherited these broken mindsets and expectations for yourself. However, it is up to you to make the decision to try to consciously counteract your flaws. And this is what I'm here to help you do. Again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you took something away from this podcast or you know someone who should hear this, please consider sharing this episode and leaving me a review on iTunes. It's just a few clicks for you, but it really goes a long way. You can also email me anytime in the show notes and strike up a conversation. As well, all my sources for this episode can be found in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. I am a good student and it's so important to cite your sources. (laughs) Um, Until we speak again, have a great week, everyone. Be gentle with yourselves and don't forget to enjoy your life. Bye.